I'm Natalie. And I'm Chris. And this is the Paranormal, Paranormal Podcast, Podcast, a podcast experience for stoners with a taste of all things creepy crawly, just like us. Yep. <laughs> Each week there will be two roles that need to be filled, the listener and the storyteller. The listener will be very, very stoned and surrounded by snacks of their choice in front of a microphone. The storyteller will then give three story options. Creepy, including paranormal stories or legends, crime, or cryptids, creatures whose existence can't be identified. The goal from there is simple, to get the best reaction from the listener as the story progresses. And tonight, our listener is Chris. Who yes, I, I am. I can verify that you are very, very stoned. Oh, buddy. What did you smoke tonight? Ooh, tonight's Amazing High is inspired by Ultraviolets. That's the actual name of the strain, I swear. It's by Saints, seattlegreenbud.com. Yeah. How does it feel? Oh, I feel great. Oh, I'm sure you do. I feel, I think this is an indica, but it definitely feels like a sativa, and I definitely feel like with ultraviolence, I definitely want to go play Call of Duty right after this. Yeah? You want to go hit things? Go box? I will not tonight. <laughs> I will be behind the keyboard and mouse tonight. Okay, that's fair. Okay, so what kind of story do you want to hear tonight? You want creepy crime or cryptid? You know, considering the pre-roll was called ultraviolence, let's go with crime. Crime, okay. This one is really interesting. I actually didn't know much about it until just now, like doing my research. Awesome, so it'll so. be a uh, crime to not do this one. Hey, <laughs> That was good. Go. Okay, so you're not allowed to look at my screen. Face away from me. Or I could just not look at it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this is what I have to work with. I don't trust you. <laughs> okay, so our first crime story is going to be the Chicago Tylenol poisonings. Have you heard about that before? I've heard of Chicago, and I've heard of Tylenol, and I've heard of poisonings. But not together. Okay. Well, <clears throat> in 1982, drug tampering resulted in seven deaths in the Chicago area. Okay. <laughs> the look on your face. Well, like tampering like they just like tampered with the bottle kind of thing, like the little thing on top. Where like, You're going to find out, aren't you? I can get to it. <laughs> okay. All the victims had taken Tylenol acetaminophen capsules that were laced with potassium cyanide. Okay, that's more than just tampering with the seal. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So the victims in Chicago, well, in the Chicago area, were Mary Kellerman, who was just 12 years old, Adam Janus and his brother Stanley, and sister-in-law Teresa, who had all taken capsules from the same bottle, Mary McFarland, Paula Prince, and Mary Reiner. So those are like the seven who died just in the Chicago area. Hmm. Uh, authorities later discovered, or not later, authorities discovered that all the victims had ingested Tylenol products, which prompted an investigation by both them and the manufacturer, Johnson & Johnson, which I don't know if you've heard of them, but. I mean, speaking of butt, it's mostly baby powder for me, but yes. <laughs> okay. That was weird, but I love you. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so. Uh, they found cyanide in all of the victims' bottles, uh, so a public warning was sent out via the media. But this is one of my favorite parts of the story. 
Police also drove through neighborhoods using loudspeakers to tell the public not to use or purchase Tylenol products at the time. Can you imagine, like, having just police scream at you through a loudspeaker not to use Tylenol? I mean, I guess, like, that was the, like, original Facebook post, right? You know, it's just drive around a neighborhood with a loudspeaker, like, you can't just post something up on Twitter. Like, now you just drive around the neighborhood with a megaphone on top of your car just screaming at people not to take Tylenol or they die, right? Can you imagine if the general public did that, though? Everyone just did that. I just ate avocado toast. Hashtag pumpkin <laughs> spices out, baby. Hashtag PSL, hashtag basic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So in addition to the five bottles belonging to the victims, police found three other contaminated bottles on store shelves. Okay. Uh, so this wasn't like this family was targeted with just like specifically poison Tylenol. No. Oh, and there go the cats. cats. Uh, no, it was... They actually, uh, they believed that the killer purchased bottles like at different drugstores and then went back and returned the, uh, not returned, but they returned it to the shelf in those drugstores. And at that time there was no, like, there was no tamper proofing. Like it was just bottle with a cap and you could just easily put it back on the shelf. That is messed up. Right? So, uh, Johnson and Johnson, Johnson. Uh, quickly issued warnings to consumers and hospitals about the situation. And they also stopped production of Tylenol products immediately. Wow. <laughs> um, on October 5th, 1982, the company issued a nationwide recall of it, all of its products, the profit from which totaled around $100 million, which in 2019 would have been $265 million. Wow. So that much Tylenol weird that it causes that big of a headache instead damn <laughs> i didn't even i didn't see that coming like at all nope wow that's uh not even that ultra violent of a statement this is what i live with you're welcome yeah thank you okay so uh uh johnson and johnson halted hold all on, hold on Ooh. oh room spun a little bit okay Sorry, you good you good yeah, great. <laughs> okay, so Johnson and Johnson halted all Tylenol uh, media, like advertising, after the Chicago incident. But later, they began a media campaign that advised consumers not to ingest any acetaminophen products and offered to exchange any capsule products for the new tablets it started producing. So they changed their entire like formula, I guess not the actual formula, but the format for the pills. Because you could pull open the capsules and you could easily put cyanide into them. But if you have a pill-shaped uh, tablet, you can't really do anything with that. That is such a trip. And I actually even remember when I was a kid, like, I was actually around for those old tablets. When you could yeah. still, like, pop them open and, like, change the insides of them. Yeah. I, I think they started, well, they had to have started producing them again, too. Because after the tamper-proofing was uh, invented, you know? Because you can still get capsules. Really? Yeah. God, I just haven't seen those for a little I Like, everything's a gel caps now, so I just haven't seen, like, the actual, the old classic, like, red and, like, white capsule for whatever's inside it. That's true. I mean, I haven't seen that in a while, but I know it exists. I hope I'm not full of shit, but it could be. I mean, does it, though? Aren't you? 
Yeah, usually. We'll I'm you're right. <laughs> okay, so actually, though, this didn't stop in Chicago. I know. Copycat killings uh, started popping up in other areas of the country. Like in 1986, a New York woman died after taking a product, a Tylenol product laced with cyanide. And in Washington State, where we're at, which is fun, <laughs> two people died after a similar incident. But Stella Nichols, who was the wife of one of the victims, was convicted later for tampering with the product her husband consumed. Damn. I know. How much do you have to hate your spouse? Like, that's insane to me. To go, just, wow, that's such a subtle way to, like, off somebody. It's well, I mean... It's that it's just, like, you know, to have that many copycat killers, like, emulating one specific style. It's just... Well, I mean, at the time, great. they probably thought this is the best way to get away with killing someone. Like, we already have this, uh, just issue in Chicago. Why couldn't it just spread over here? You know? That is crazy. I know, right? Okay, so uh, there was also Kenneth, I don't know if his name is Faris or Fairies, and I'm really hoping it's the latter. So I'm just going to call him Kenneth Fairies. Uh, he was a student at the University of Texas, and he was found dead in his room after taking Tylenol products that had been tampered with in the same year. But Fairies' death was initially ruled a homicide. But the medical examiner later determined that the death was a suicide and that fairies had taken the poison from a lab he worked at. Wow. I know, right? But, I mean, I, I couldn't find a source that 100% confirmed that. Like, they were all kind of like, yeah, it could have been a suicide. It could have been a homicide. Well, you don't really know. Wow. So, we just... Hold on. You okay there, buddy? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say something, and then now it has no value because I just can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> so you can just go ahead. Okay. This is great tonight. <laughs> Glad you're enjoying it. Oh, yeah. So there were some suspects for the crime, and these included John, or not John, wow, James William Lewis, Roger Arnola, and Lori Dan. Lewis had actually sent a letter to Johnson & Johnson following the Chicago incidents demanding $1 million to stop the killings. So he posed as the killer to profit from it. Um, <clears throat> but police were able to link him to other crimes uh, when they didn't find any relation to the murders. Huh. He was later charged with extortion, now, which I, I think is fair. Obviously. Definitely <laughs> falls in the character. Yeah, right? So Arnola was identified as a suspect, but he was soon cleared of all charges. He had a severe mental breakdown afterward and ended up shooting and killing a man he mistook for a Marty Sinclair, who was a bar owner who he blamed for all of the media attention he was getting and that was like driving him insane. Wow, that, for that to be the thing that sets you off, really? I know, I know. And it's like you could have been convicted for murder before, but nope, here you are. You're going to get charged with... Uh, Second degree murder anyway, so fun times. He just wanted that then, okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, so and then Lori Dan was briefly considered a suspect, but police now found no connections between her and the Tylenol killings. So I don't really know why she was a suspect in the first place. Like, if you can't find any connection, what was your initial thought? I mean, like, 
Or did she just have that face or something? Like, <laughs> was it just one of those really convictable or at least chargeable faces? Because, I mean, so she just comes up. She's mixed in with the other three who clearly have, like, a lot of issues going on. And, like, what about her? Oh, dude, actually. Here's some images of her. Okay. She's got, I mean. Unsettled she's... change. Oh, damn. 30 years later. Wow. There's a. Yeah, I mean, I guess, oh. I mean, she's so, she just looks like a ordinary person. She looks very normal for the time. Yeah. Well, anyway. There's a lot of mugshots up there. <laughs> oh. Uh, she actually still ended up poisoning and killing a, a an unknown number of people in 1988. So that just might have been the person, too. Yeah. They might have just been like, uh, we think you're connected with her. Wow, so she's just, okay. Well, I mean, those actually ended up, those happened after she was uh, suspected of that Tylenol killing. Yeah, what is this is a killing an unknown number of people. Are we talking like a couple or are we in like double, triple digits? I have no idea. I have no clue. That's why it's unknown. <laughs> okay, uh, let's move on. Okay, so the Tylenol killings case was actually reopened in 2009 by the FBI. Uh, on May 19th, 2011, the FBI requested DNA samples from Ted Kaczynski. Kaczynski? I hope I'm saying that right. AKA the Unabomber. Oh, wow, so they're just all related. <laughs> yeah, apparently this is just like, I don't know, it feels like a, like a crime ring, a murder ring. Murder ring, wow. Yeah. You're welcome. Let's see. Uh, Kaczynski denied having any connection to the crimes, and it was never determined if he was actually connected to them. So I almost feel like they're just like the FBI and police were just kind of like throwing things out there. You know, like, oh, we don't know who it is. Let's find a scapegoat. The Unabomber. Boom. This is perfect. <laughs> wow. I actually didn't even mean to make that one up. That just happened. That was a really good one, though. Can you come up with any more? No, I was going to save that one for later, apparently, but I just used it, so because I'm really high right now. You're really oh. fucking high, bud. Are you okay? I think so. <laughs> I'm not getting you... ultraviolet. <laughs> you will later on Call of Duty. Uh, my dreams might be. I might be going to sleep pretty soon. Oh, jeez. Don't fall asleep now, though. I mean, not yet, but like you had a couple minutes. I mean, you know... That would be really funny because you would probably start having dreams about the Tylenol murders. Or definitely something ultraviolet. <laughs> ultraviolet sure. for sure. Okay, so Johnson and Johnson was actually praised because of its quick response to the issues and because it was very honest with the public. Which when I read that in uh my resources, it's like okay, that actually makes a lot of sense That's because okay. they could have tried to sweep that under the rug. I mean, it's Johnson & Johnson. I know how powerful they are now, but like... Oh my god, right? Yeah, from back then, wow. Yeah. Um, and it also established strong relationships with the Chicago Police Department, the FBI, and the Food and Drug Administration. <clears throat> which makes sense. Their market share, unfortunately, that year dropped from 35% to 8%. Oof. Yeah. But, I mean, it bounced back in less than a year. And it's... Presumed, presumably because of the uh, responses 
to the Tylenol situation. Okay. So, after all of that, Johnson & Johnson, as well as other pharmaceutical manufacturers, uh, started putting better security measures in place for all of its products. So, what we know now, we have the triple sealed tamper-resistant resistant bottles that have, like, the seal, the cap, and the box. So that yeah. was first introduced after the Tylenol killings, and they made the switch, like what I was saying earlier, they switched from capsules to tablets with a capsule shape. That makes sense. So, I mean, like, so Johnson Johnson doesn't actually have those old school tab capsules you're talking about now. They might not. You know what? I have a computer in front of me, and I can look at this up. Nope. I think they do. Go back. Right there. Do, people ask, does Tylenol come in capsules? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're just calling them capsules. They're not the actual old, like, pills. But, I mean, I know that the capsules are still used even for other drugs. Interesting. So. Okay. But, the like, the ones that I've seen those on are, like, prescription. Wow, so it crazy. might be that you can use the capsules for, like, controlled substances, so, but not for over-the-counter. Yeah, so if it wasn't for this whole, like, this whole like, murder style of just, like, killing random people because they're stocking random shelves, like, we wouldn't have the tampering your seals we do now. Yeah, and it was actually, I remember, there was a victim who they got on a camera in a Walgreens. And there was a hooded person standing right behind her. So they thought that maybe that was the person who was reshelving the tampered products. Ooh. Right? But they never, obviously, they haven't caught him. It's still, I don't, I think it's an open case still with the FBI. That would be weird because I don't know if, like, like if this is talking, like, what, what year again? This was, it was early 80s. 82, I think. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 82 was when it first started happening. So just because the person was wearing a hoodie <clears throat> in a drugstore. No, no, no. Well, because they were right near the product. That's fair. It wasn't just because they're in a hoodie. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> People with hoodies can get headaches too. <laughs> All right. Well, you got anything else to say? No. Awesome episode. I'm definitely feeling this pre-roll. Yeah. Oof. Did that... Uh, aid in your comprehension of this story ultraviolence definitely hit me for this one yes and unfortunately it wasn't an ultraviolent crime it was very passive but it was definitely mean though mean spirit yeah very mean ultraviolent tendencies but just maybe the guy couldn't fight who knows yeah or gal that's true yeah whoever it was maybe non-binary who knows the 80s are non-binary people existed yeah, we just didn't it know just wasn't it just was. wasn't uh accepted i mean a lot of it's still not accepted today but 82 man we'll get there yeah we'll get there <laughs> i hope so i hope all right well i enjoyed telling you about this and i'm glad you enjoyed listening and i guess we will pick this up again next week Oof, that sounds fun i oh you'll be the high one next time i'm totally gonna be high next time Oh, I'm so excited. We have some good stories for you. So yeah. you pick a good one. Oh, I'm excited. All right. Guess All right. we're signing off. Later, guys. Bye.